Welcome to the Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. Larry is the author of over 40 books, the founder of Dove International, a worldwide family of churches and ministries in six continents, and has over 50 years of leadership experience. He and his guests will share inspirational leadership insights from their journey with God. These insights, gleaned from serving leaders in many nations, will transform your life and leadership. For more information on Larry's books and resources, visit LarryKreider.com. Larry Kreider here with the Larry Kreider Leadership Podcast. Again, today, back with me today is my friend Lester Zimmerman talking about leadership and all the things we've all learned about leadership over many, many years. So welcome back, Lester. Thank you. It's good to be back, Larry. And Lester, you're an author. You've written a bunch of books um, books and booklets, and we co-authored a book along with our friends Pastor Sam Smucker and Barry Whistler, Dr. Barry Whistler, in fact, uh, called Straight Talk to Leaders, What We Wish We Would Have Known When We Started. So before we get started today, Lester, I want you to know that I've appreciated you as a leader over many, many years. We've worked together here in the same county in leadership. Uh, we were, you know, pastors of churches, growing churches, new churches in the area back in the 80s. And uh, today, are privileged to lead networks of churches with uh, churches throughout the world. And you represent the Hopewell Network. What's that look like? What's the Hopewell Network look like? I know you're in Africa, India, Haiti, and the world. Where, talk to us about the Hopewell Network. The Hopewell Network is a lot of the churches are within uh, driving distance here. Okay. We have one in Kansas. We have one in Maryland. Um so there's about 16 churches okay. in the in, in the local area. Okay, local area, as in Lancaster, Greater Lancaster County. Yeah, Chester County, Berks County, okay. Pennsylvania. Yeah, basically. Pennsylvania. Okay. That's a better way of saying okay. within but Pennsylvania. Then you also connect with movements around the world. Talk to me about that. Yes, we have networks in uh, six different countries, and so they each have their own network of churches, sure. and so we relate to the apostolic leader in each of those countries. So you are really a network of networks globally around the world. Yes. The Hopewell Network. Great. And is there any uniqueness about the Hopewell Network that's maybe different than some other networks? Uh, for example, you believe in the work of the Holy Spirit? Yes. Uh, right. Uh, you'd have a bit of an Anabaptist flavor to a degree. Is that right? I, there's some of those core values that you could pick up within the, sure. the Hopewell Network, yes. Yeah. And we love the Hope All Network, and we've had the privilege for many years, I don't know how many, of uh, you know, sharing leadership training you know, with the Dove Hopewell Leadership School, and we use Petra Christian Fellowship, you know, uh, which is the church that God used you and Irma to birth years ago. And a lot of students have come from both the Hopewell Network, the Dove Network, and other networks as we train students year, year after year. That's been really fun. To That's that been together. a great partnership. Yeah. I just love being able to connect with your network and uh, target or yeah. reach out to some of these young leaders and yeah, raise up leaders together. You know, we really need them in the body of Christ. So Yeah, this... we've been blessed to work with you, and you've been a great joy. I mean, I love your heart for the kingdom. It's not just a hope on network for us, and not just a dove network. It's not just a certain denomination. It's about the kingdom it's of God. It's about the kingdom. And, yeah, who cares who gets the credit? Let's what? just serve Jesus, yes. see the kingdom of God built. Yes. So let's talk about leadership. I want to ask you some questions All right. about some things that you have written in this book, Straight Talk to Leaders. So are you ready? I'm ready. I'll try not to make them too hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be fun. You talk in the book about safety nets for leaders. What is that? What's a safety net for leaders? A safety net is having people around you that 
are there to both protect you and to help you uh, when you need them. Yet none of us leaders are beyond falling True. Uh, or beyond deception. I would say that if you think you, you cannot be deceived, you're already deceived. That's true. So, so knowing that I, that I could uh, fall into some troubles and problems, who's going to be there to pick me up? Who's going to be there to help me? Who's going to be there to confront me when I, when I need that? Uh, where's my accountability? So safety nets are, are those kinds of people around us to, to, uh, to be there to help us when we, when we need them. Yeah, no man's an island. No woman's an island. We need each other. You know, right. we, we all need accountability. We need people who can answer the hard questions. And you've done that well, and you've led well in that way. Uh, talk about growing in character and skill. Talk to me about that, character and skill. And you've emphasized both and the importance of both working together. Talk to us about that. Yes. I, I like this the verse where it says, David led yes. with the integrity of heart yes. and skillful hands. Yes. And so you need, you need both. Uh, I think uh, you definitely, especially in looking for leaders, you, you start with the integrity part that you need leaders that it doesn't matter how much skill they have if they they need to have that integrity that people you can trust so if you were to pick and choose between skill and integrity you'd start with integrity i would i, I would be definitely begin with integrity looking at that i don't think it's a choice between either or okay. uh, i think you need both of course if you're going to choose a leader but the integrity part is so critical yes that sometimes we we compromise a little bit. We hedge a little bit on that because we really need that gift. We really need that person. And if, if you violate that integrity piece, so you're going to run in trouble, into trouble. Before. I think we both look back over many years and hiring many people, putting people in leadership teams. And any time that we fudged on that issue, right. the integrity issue, we paid for it later. We Somebody did. paid for it later. Always, Isn't that right? Always, always. Yes. <laughs> That's so, so true. So we've been talking about accountability and ready. Talk more about accountability. What's that look like? How's, why is that important? How's that important? What's accountability look like? I mean, you've talked about the importance right. of it. In the, I, the importance, I, I say this sometimes, that if you don't have somebody in your life that has the authority to fire you, you're not really walking in true accountability. That's true. And so, That's very true. So sometimes we say we're accountable, but we're really not. Or we're, all, we're accountable up to a certain level. We'll allow people to speak into our lives. But true accountability is where People can speak into your life and bring correction, and you'll receive it. Right. You'll hear. You'll hear what they have to say. So I, I sometimes ask, who who do you have in your life that you trust? Yeah. That they can come up to you and say, you know, you you are really missing it in this area. You're in danger in this area, and you will receive it from them. Right. I, do you have somebody that you trust to that level yeah. in your life? So accountability is is really important in our network and in myself. Everybody has someone that they're accountable to. That wasn't always true within our network. Okay. But for instance, I'm the, I give the lead apostolic leadership in our right. network, but I have people outside of our network, you're one of them, right. that can also come in and speak into my life. Right. And we have it built into our bylaws that right. you can also come in and fire me. Right. And so every, yep. to every level, there's there's accountability. And this, this is so important because there's such a lack of accountability in many places in the body of Christ and leaders are in the control, controlling right. people. And then people say, well, who are you accountable to? Well, I'm accountable to God. How right. crazy is that? I've heard that. Yes. <laughs> You've heard that, right? Yes. And so I think you said it so well, and I've used the same term many times. 
who can fire you? Right. Is there somebody can because if not, I mean, I've talked to leaders of global movements. I remember one leader of a global movement, and it was it just was basically into control. And I asked him that question. He said, "Well, there's nobody can fire me." And you uh-huh. know that whole movement went down the tubes sure. about a year later. Sure. And, and and thank God it did because the leader was in the controlling people rather than releasing people, blessing people. He wasn't accountable himself. So all of us need someone who can fire us. And you know when you have that in place, Lester. You seldom, seldom do you need it. Right, but exactly. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> but if you don't have it in place, right. you're going to need it someplace down the road. So I call it so relational good. accountability where relationally we're accountable to each other sure. in the body of Christ. But then we need structural accountability that That's when right. the relational breaks down, the structural is there to help us through through that That's time. critical. That's a, a key leadership concept. I hope everyone's hearing clearly. Relational accountability, we all need that. Right. But you must have structural accountability, again, who can fire us. And that's, right. that's important, very important. And then there's one other uh, area of accountability that I, I've been finding helpful in my life, and that is to have someone personally, it has nothing to do with structural, it's just somebody personal that that I meet with on a regular basis, and we ask each other the hard questions. Good. How are you doing morally? Right, right. And right. Um, good. how are you, you doing? And so very that good. kind of very, very close, intimate yes. person in mm-hmm. my life. Uh, and the person I have is outside of our network, so Beautiful. so I can just freely share if Beautiful. I'm struggling, and he can share with me, and so that I encourage that as Good. well. And that's a, in that case, is a mutual accountability. Yes, that's someone you trust. Now let's talk about leadership and unity and releasing blessings. Psalms one thirty three: If God's people dwell together in unity, He commands a blessing. Talk about how that works in leadership, how you get to a place of unity, uh, the importance of that, and how God releases blessing. What's that look like? It begins with honor. Okay. We need to honor each other. If I'm going to have unity with my elder team, I need to honor them. They need to honor me. And we have that kind of mutual respect for each other. And I think unity kind of grows out of honor in that yeah. way. So there's you know there's unity of thought where we agree on the same kind of doctrinal right. issues. But the unity of spirit, uh, which the Bible Bible talks about both of them, the unity of spirit and the unity right. of, of, of our doctrine. Um, but the unity of spirit is so critical where we're, we're walking in agreement with each other. Not that we agree on all the practical things and how we're doing ministry. There's room for differences. That's there's right. got to be differences because there's different ways to do things. Right. And I don't always know the, the right way and the best way. So I need somebody else to come up with a different idea. But there's that unity of spirit where we have the same goal. The same goal is, you know, it's a kingdom mindset, but the same goal to reach the lost, to disciple people, that's what we're after. And so if your way is better, let's try that for now and see how that works. Some people confuse unity and uniformity. They think everyone must think alike and say the same stuff. You're right. Unity is a much deeper thing. Unity in the spirit is much, much deeper, and that's what's really important. In fact, we both know that we need people on our teams who think different than we do, who respond different than we do, who have a worldview in some areas that are different than us. So, but we can still be in unity. We share what God's saying, but we still be in unity as we work together to see the kingdom grow. There's also authority connected to unity. Talk about that. And so when... Leaders are walking together in unity. There is authority to deal with spiritual, so um, spiritual dynamics, spiritual, you know, we, we don't battle against 
flesh and blood, principalities, yeah, principalities yeah. and powers. The same is true within a region. When there's unity in a region, there's an increased authority so to deal with things in a region. We learned this as an elder team that there was times we sensed a spiritual attack coming against our church. Right. And I said to the elders, I said, look, we have authority. We're in unity about this. We have authority to deal with this. And so we would take authority because we were in unity and we would speak to that thing in the spirit and it would break You're again right. and again. We, we've broken so many different attacks off simply because the elders were yeah. walking in unity. Yeah, so good. Yeah, I remember a time when I was pastoring and, and uh, we church had grown into a larger church. and But we were just having all kinds of issues, all kinds of attacks coming against leadership, etc. I remember our leadership team was really in unity and together. I mean, we stood I mean, in, in uh, one of our elders' living rooms. We stood and we took authority over any yes. any spirit of, yes. you know, wherever it was at that point, at that point, you know, and broke it in Jesus' name. And, you know, things changed. Right. It, it, people responded differently. And it was just like a fresh wind blew, you know. Right. But it was being in unity and then having that authority in the spirit realm to break off every spirit of unbelief, disunity, you know, whatever was needed to be broken and, off. And the opposite is also true. When there's not unity, that's right. you lose that authority. And that's why you see things falling apart many times. It's because, you know, the, the scripture says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit. Make every effort. Yeah. Do whatever you can. Sometimes we need to sit down and we need to work through our offenses and our hurts. We're making every effort. Unity is so important to us. Yeah. We're not just going to throw things under the rug. We're going to yeah. be open. We're going to deal with the, these things. And we're going to maintain our unity. I was asking uh, somebody you would know well from Elon Bible Institute years ago, uh, Paul Johansson, about yes, this Paul. years and years mm -hmm. ago. He's a real father to so many leaders. And said, Paul, I was just a young leader. And I remember sitting in a restaurant and said, and with another, another one of our leaders and said, how do, we, how do we deal with this when people come against us? And how do we, you know, there's issues in the church. And here's what he said. He said, you have to understand that any major problem in any church is there because there's a lack of unity somehow in the leadership. In the it's leadership. Like, yeah. He's like a vine that comes down from the top. He said, it might be a spouse of a leader mm -hmm. or someone who's saying things you don't even know about. He said, and once you deal with that and get in complete unity, he said, you will cut off whatever the enemy's been That's doing. Amazing. Isn't it? And it's yes. true. I've watched it over the yes. years. It's so true. Yes. So, and often as I consult with church leaders throughout the world, you know, I say, how, how are you as an eldership team, as leadership team, are you in unity? Because right. God will not command blessing. And you you got to start there. Don't go out and put out other fires until you deal with what you're dealing with right here in the local leadership team. If the local leadership team is in unity, you can deal with pr pretty much anything that will, so be, true. will come at, come against you. So true. Just stay together yeah. in unity. And that's why you need to get the right people on the team. You know, the old saying, the sure. right people in the bus, right people in the seats of the bus. Right. It means that's the true. right people are in unity together. That's true. So you can seek a commanded blessing. Let's talk about the uh, overlooked asset in the church, women of God. I'd love to talk about this because uh, I love your heart for this. And you and Irma have led the way in this. Laverne and I have you know, have also led the way in our movement and to see women totally, completely released to be all they could be. Talk about that. Women in leadership. And you've written a book on this too, right. called Leading Together, Recapturing God's Original Plan for Men and Women. And that's available. Anybody wants that, that's on the show notes. And again, anything you want to get a hold of, Lester, you want to get a hold of the Hope All Network, it's all the show notes uh, at the bottom. And this book is on there. You can pick that up. Some, some of Lester's books are on Amazon and some you can just get through the Hope All Network. Talk to us about that. Leading Together, Women in Leadership. The greatest 
asset in the body of Christ that has been overlooked are, are the gifts of women in, in, in ministry and in yeah. leadership. Now, we've, we've come out of a, you know, we've been on a journey as a network in this whole issue. Because there was a time where we didn't, we, we recognized the gifts of women in ministry, but not in leadership. Right. So you, you could teach Sunday school, you could do, you know, other types of ministry, lead women's groups, and the, but you couldn't lead, you couldn't be a leader. Yeah. And so it was a journey for us to say, what does the Bible have to say? And we'd struggle with that. And uh, so we had to come to a place where we could, with integrity, say, we believe the Bible does affirm the gifts and calling of women, not only in just ministry and use of their gifts, but also in leadership role with, within the church. So that that's that was a journey for us. And my wife, you know, just bless her. She she has put up with so much. Yeah. Uh, while we while so we were wife. on that journey. Because yeah. she she could be called the pastor's wife. That was kind of her title, the pastor's wife. But there was very little recognition of her call, her gifts right. in, in that way. Uh, so anyway, it's it's something that I would really encourage all the church, the body of Christ, to continue to grapple with um, from a biblical perspective. You know, we we know there's an there's kind of a, a another uh, view of women and, and their roles, and you know, in this culture and society right, right. that's not biblical based. Sure, uh, but we're talking about from what does the Bible have to say? What is what did Jesus do? Jesus is just a great example of how he embraced women, especially yes. in the culture right. and what was happening in his day. I mean, he just violated the norms by just allowing yeah. women to be part of his disciple group and, yeah. and to follow him. I love this. I love this little booklet, and it's a great book anyone can pick up called "Leading Together" from by Lester Zimmerman. Dealing with some of those hard scriptures, you know, and you, well, you I, you, I you deal with all it. of them in there. I yes. really, really appreciate that you've written this. Many, many years ago, when I was pastoring, I remember a an elderly gentleman came up to me and he said to me, he said, uh, "Larry, he said, I realize you're not the pastor of this church." And I said, "What do you mean?" It was almost offensive. <laughs> and I said, "Well, who is?" He said, "Your wife is." <laughs> and you know, she, Laverne is much more pastoral than I am. Right, right. I'm more of a visionary leader. So in many ways, she was really pastoral right. in many ways. But uh, in those days, we were trying to figure out how all that works. It's only been the last few years. In fact, at our leadership conference we had at about three years ago, I was able to stand up in front of the Enter Global Leadership Conference that we had in San Diego, Maryland, and just declare freedom for every woman. Wonderful. To, to, yeah, just to stand together with men. There's no division. We're going to stand together as men and women in roles and leadership as you're called, as you're anointed by God. And it's powerful. Something broke in the spirit. It was right. really powerful. So that's really who you are, and that's who we are tonight. Really we're growing that. in it. I'm, I'm not well, saying we always get it right. And we don't know, either, but we're, but we're learning we're, and growing. And, and we, want to, we yeah. want to embrace that. So how do you make tough decisions, Lester, without acting tough? <laughs> well, <clears throat> you can um, make the really hard calls without a real strong top-down kind of authoritarian leadership. Sure. Uh, but you have to be willing to make the tough calls. Yeah. If you're a people pleaser and that's really important to you, it's it's going to be really hard to be a leader. Yeah. And because you're always you will always have people that are at different places. And so you have to listen to people. What are they saying? Especially your elder team, your leadership right. team, get, get their counsel. But once you discern what God is saying, then you have to be able to say, this is the direction we're going to go. Make the tough call. Uh, one of the things that was helpful for me is I, I, 
I learned to teach my way through difficult decisions. Okay, talk about that. Instead of just getting up front and saying, well, the elders, we, we discern God saying this, and this is the direction we're going, and everybody just needs to agree and, you know, go, go along with it. That's, that's hard, top-down yes. authoritarian leadership. <clears throat> but instead to say, we, we sense God is saying this, and this is why. You've got to answer the why right. and say, this from a scriptural perspective, this is, this is what we see and what we understand and what God is saying. And teach your way through the process. Take the people through the process that you went through, that your elders went through to get to the so point where you're at today. So, so often we think, well, there, we, or we say, just trust us, just trust us. And yeah. there's some truth to that. Sure. We need to trust leadership, but you need to bring people along. You need to help them to buy into that. So making the tough decisions, though, is, is, is really hard sometimes. I, <clears throat> I've had some of my closest friends leave the church over the years because they didn't agree right. with the decision right. I made. I've had the same <clears throat> But I had to decide, is, is, am I going to please God or please people in this decision? Because we had discerned together as a group that this is what the Lord was saying. And so I had to be willing to let people go and bless them. And it was hard sometimes. Yeah. It was really hard because they were going and they were accusing right, you know, right. me of all kinds of different things. Right. We've all been there. So, but a, a leader needs to be able to handle that. That's right. And... Um, I like the way Paul the Apostle said it. I think it's in Galatians chapter 1. And he says, if I'm just pleasing man, I'm no longer a servant of Christ. Yes. So we cannot just please people. And we want to honor people, want to listen to people. But we have a responsibility in leadership that they don't have. And we're leading the whole flock, not right. just a couple people. Right. So we need to make the decisions that's going to honor the Lord and what he's called us to do. And, and, and eventually... Looking back, you find there's great blessing in that, but it's hard in the process. It's hard at the time, very hard. Yeah, it sure is. So you talk about setting boundaries when you've uh, written these chapters in the Straight Talk Leaders book. Is there anything more you want to say about that, the importance of boundaries in your life and what kind of boundaries are you talking about? Boundaries are so critical to the health of a leader. Yeah. They're critical to the health of everybody, but especially to leaders because there's so many demands and I, and I say a leader without boundaries is, a, is like a house without doors. People can come and go as they please, <laughs> right. and, and, and there's no protection around you in, in that way. So boundaries for me are sometimes my time boundaries, um, my family boundaries, that people can't just take all the time that they want. I have certain times where I will give to the church, to people, other times— it's my family. That's right. a boundary I have Very around good. around my fa- my family. There's boundaries I have for me just uh, for uh, moral protection. Good. There's uh, I will not um, travel with another woman right. uh, without my uh, other than my wife mm-hmm. and my daughters yep. uh, in the car or go to lunch with them. Yep. And we, something we did a number of years ago, we. First, when we built our church, we had solid doors in our, all our offices. We cut windows in every Good. every door. It's just a protection for That's everybody, right. but That's it's right. a boundary that, that I'm going to set some boundaries that if you're going to meet with me, you're going to meet with me in under these conditions. And uh, so, yes, there's there's many different types of boundaries that we need in our life. And you found freedom, as you set these boundaries up. It's freedom for you and others to know what the boundaries are. Yes, it's tremendous yeah. freedom. Yeah. 
Yeah, there, there are way. people I meet sometimes, younger leaders, and I'll say, well, that's just legalism, and it's really not. And we just need to know what boundaries God has called us to have it, you know. Some people call it the Billy Graham method, you know. Right, you know. Right. And I found the same, you know. Uh, someone said once, if you're going to fall, let's make sure you fall as far away from the cliff as possible. You know, so you don't mm-hmm. devastate yourself and many right. others. And so boundaries are so important. You also have often talked about planting lots of seeds. What do you mean by that? As a leader, leaders need to learn to plant seed. What's, what does that mean, Lester? Well, there's spiritual seed you plant just by investing in people. Right. But, but I'm thinking of financial seed. Okay. This, this is kind of new because I was a little adverse to the whole concept of seed faith. It right, was kind of right. used as TV evangelist type mm-hmm. of promotion. But, you know, I've come to learn that that's a biblical principle. It is. And God really honors seed faith. It is. Sowing financial seed, uh, God will rewards that. God uh, stirs our hearts in faith in, in that direction. Uh, just a couple quick stories where we really began to learn this. When we uh, started our, our church, we were meeting like in the fire hall for four years. And then we purchased some ground where we could build on. And we were so excited. And so we started a building fund and we were adding into the building fund and looking for the day where we could build on this and as well as pay off some of the land. And uh, as we were getting closer, uh, the Lord spoke to us really clearly. I want you to give away all the money that is in your building fund. Wow. All the money, all the money that's in your building fund. I want you to sow it. I want you to give it to me. I want you to sow it a seed and, and I'll provide for you. So it's one thing to get that word. It's another thing to tell the congregation, exactly. you know, thank you for all the money you've been given, but we're not going to give it all right. away. But of course, we processed it with the sure. elders and then shared it with the congregation. And there was just this uh, unity in the spirit. That Beautiful. This is, this is a God thing. I mean, this is so crazy, but it's a God thing. And so we had also planted a number of acres of sweet corn on the land that we have there as an investment. And we we're going to sell that and put that in the building fund. Sure. And then the Lord said, I want you to give that away, too. And so we harvested it and took it to Teen Challenge and New wow. Life for Girls and gave everything away, gave our building fund away, the money to, to other ministries. And the Lord has just honored that and rewarded us with that in such an amazing way. And that every time we were taking another step, the Lord would challenge us to sow some more seed. Sure. And so um, we, the latest edition we were ready, we're going to build, uh, the Lord said, I want you to give uh, away four acres of your land to the neighboring church <laughs> that we're, they, they were That's land so joining cool. and uh, just give it, give it to them. And it just totally blew them away. But again, we, we sowed some more seed in that way. And we would, whenever we were doing a building project, and we've been through a number of building projects, we would always give some seed, sometimes building mission churches in other countries. Beautiful. We would always do seed. And God has honored that again mm. and again and again. And um, so that works personally in your sure. life, but also for ministries and churches. Plant lots of seed. Plant lots of seed. God's <laughs> I saying, I, I want to bless you, but I need seed. Yeah. And he has, he has put the seed in our pockets. Yeah. And so what we do with it is, yeah. is important. Yeah. And I, I heard someone teach on tithing and offering that the, the tithe is, you know, what you, the Lord expects you to give, but the offering is seed 
that goes ab- above the tide, yeah. and that will that will um, plant. And yeah. produce more. So. I think even the concept in the scripture of first fruits, you know, giving first fruits. Right. But that's giving when you go out to sow first fruits. That's giving before you even sow, giving some of that seed. Same thing you're saying. Right. So good. Plant lots of seed. Plant lots of seed. Now, navel gazing. You talk about navel gazing when you talk to leaders. What's it mean to be a navel gazer? What is that? And uh, what, what does that mean? I, I think what I was referring to there was where, where you look inward. There are always so many issues to right. constantly deal with in your church, inward, in your yeah. own life. But we need to look outward. Yeah. Stop navel-gazing, just looking at yourself. Start looking outward. Every church needs to have a, an outward focus, uh, be externally focused in their mission, their ministry. Um, God, has, God has called us to reach the harvest. Mm. And um, the tendency of the church is to slowly drift That's true. inward. Yeah, you can start a lot of churches that have started with a strong outward focus of great evangelism, great church growth. Eventually, begin to drift inward again unless you are intentional. Right, that's very true. You you got to be intentional. Very true. What are your plan? What are you doing right now to reach your community for yeah, Christ? So true. What? Just tell me the plan. Don't tell me you love your community. Tell me what are you doing? Yeah. What are you going to do this year? To reach your community for Christ. More than a vision, you need some strategy. How are you going to do it? How we do it? There was a time where we realized that we were just becoming so inward focused, where all of our pastors and leaders were simply sitting in their offices planning the next event for the church, <laughs> and we weren't doing anything outward. So we we asked them to give one unit of your time, paid, what you're being paid for, right. to the community. Beautiful. Get out into the community. Get away That's from powerful. your desk. Get into the community. So they did. They were, what kind of things did they do? They were doing police chaplain, fire chaplain, uh, working with, we have a CrossNet Ministries with yep. the, reaching the community, uh, coaching, some are just coaching uh, baseball sure. teams and things like that, uh, school boards, getting on the school board, just a number of things, just getting out That's and good. engaging with the community. We can, we can become so insulated right. as a church right. so quickly. Right. A couple more questions for you from the book. One is, you talk, we've talked a lot about teamwork already, but you talk about what you call team strength, and I'm assuming the importance of a team and, and uh, how the teams work together. What, what do you mean by team strength? What, could you give us any more insight on that? The strength of any ministry, the strength of any leader is their team. True. So if you try to go go it alone, whether it's a leadership team or personally right. in your ministry, uh, you're really limiting yourself on what you can accomplish. Yeah, very because true. Because God has designed uh, his kingdom to function on, on on a team concept. You know, we see it in the, from the Godhead. We see it right. all through the stories in the scripture. There was always a team that God put together to, to accomplish what he wants to do. Now, to really function well as a team, a lot of it has to do with the leader. Mm-hmm. The leader has to let go. In other words, the leader has to be willing to delegate. Right. It's really hard for some leaders to delegate. To, to truly delegate, you not only give an assignment to somebody to do, but you give them the authority to go with that's it. Right. And that's risky because yeah. they might mess up the plan, but that's how they're going to learn. That's how they're going to grow. And they'll probably do it differently than you and, would and, do it. And they'll and do it probably differently. need to, and that's okay. Right. And probably better than you if you admit it. <laughs> <laughs> so you need to learn to build your team and then really release your team to 
to go out there and, and function, to walk with you in that. Now, it's important that the, the team has a vision of a leader. Right. As a, as a, they have a team spirit themselves. Sure. sure. Yeah, it's always a team with a leader, a leader with a team, right. you know, working together. Talk also about vision without hard work is a mirage. What do you mean by that? <clears throat> I think we've all been been guilty of this where we especially visionary leaders we have this great vision this great idea we can spout off all those wonderful things that <laughs> god has shown us and that we've learned but to put it into uh to work to to really carry it out it's a whole different ball game and i i get uh, i find it really difficult to sit in a team meeting where i'm listening to different leaders sharing vision, sharing vision. And then I come back to the next meeting and they're still sharing the same vision. Sharing. Right, right. And, we, and all we talk about is vision, but we don't do anything. No strategy. No, no strategy. Steps. No right. steps. Right. And many times the steps require sacrifice. Right. The steps require some really hard work. True. And uh, some people would rather talk about vision than <laughs> the sacrifice. That, that goes with it. And I've discovered, you know, over the years, there's been tremendous sacrifice yeah. that was required to yeah. walk out the, the call, the vision. Yeah, any vision where it's solved is going to require sacrifice. Some oh, make, yes, it does. Making steps of faith, yes. of course. Yeah, and, and the other thing I want to ask you yet is you make the statement, we change or we die. So what does that mean? Change is a constant. Yeah. And that's something I've tried to build into our leaders and our church over the years is that we are constantly going to be changing yeah. because the world around us is constantly changing. We're changing. Um, God's con continually doing a new thing among us, so it, which requires change. And so to have that uh, mindset is really helpful that, okay, we're going to change. Not just change for the sake of change. Right. That doesn't help anybody. Right. But change because God is showing us some yes. new things and some new steps to take. And if we refuse to change, and we all know leaders and churches that right. refuse to change, yeah. you walk into it and you think you're still back in the 50s. Right. You know, it's right. Nothing has changed. And uh, so things continually change. It's since uh, I've transitioned since uh, the beginning of the year, and they're making all kinds of changes. Right, right. You're <laughs> no longer the senior pastor. Right, they're changing rooms. They're yeah. they're tearing down some things, building other things. Right. And, and it's okay. It's right. okay because it, to go forward is going to require some new things and you some change. You know what change. I found over the years? I found, Lester, often that when there's a move of God, a fresh wind blowing, the Spirit of God is doing something new, that if we're not careful, the generation experienced that when they're older— can persecute the next move of God because it's, yes, different, it's different than what they experienced. Right. And so I think that's the real key for us, too, when it comes to changing, recognizing that next generation will do it differently. Yes, there's basic values are the same. Jesus doesn't change. The Scripture doesn't change. But there's different ways of doing things for every generation. Right. Yeah. Uh, so so much. It's more in the book that uh, Straight Talk to Leaders that you've shared that we did not have time to talk about today. Uh, anyone, if you want this book, Straight Talk to Leaders, Larry Crowder, Sam Smucker, Barry Whistler, Lester Zimmerman. You get it on the Dove Store, Amazon, wherever you buy books. Uh, and uh, you can find all the information on the show notes. Lester, I, you had so much in the book that <laughs> you couldn't fit it all in the chapters. And you have all these nuggets of truth in the back. I forget how many there are, but there's maybe 18 different nuggets of truth that are not even on there. And I just want to ask you about two of these here before we close today. Okay. The one is choosing your battles wisely. Uh, you know, recognizing that 
you know, you can just get to go down side streets so fast. Talk to us about that a minute. How do you choose your battles wisely? I, I say that to every young leader, and I keep reminding myself of that truth as well. And I don't know who coined that phrase, but I like right. it. Yeah. Choose your battles. There's so many battles that we need to fight in, yeah. the, in, in the kingdom, um, but not every battle is worth fighting. Yeah. Uh, and not every battle is that important. So there's some things you just need to let go of. Uh, let somebody else deal with. Don't make a big issue of it. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes we make the big issue over the smallest thing. Right. And I'm saying, you only have so much energy. True. You only have so much time. True. Uh, and so, choose your battles wisely. Is this a battle that yeah. really is core to who we are? Is really going to determine, um, you know, the trajectory of where we're going, the trajectory. And so, um, yeah. So good. I'm going to read what you've written. It's one of your nuggets okay. here. It's so powerful. It says, leadership involves juggling a number of balls at one time. It's okay for some of these rubber balls to drop at times. They can bounce back. But your family is a glass ball that you cannot afford to drop. That's really, really powerful. So true. And so, so true. And the last thing I want to ask you is that it really has to do with this choosing battles wisely, majoring in majors, minoring in minors. And you've said something here that I thought was powerful. You said that most church fights are over non-essentials of the faith. Talk about that. That's true. It's true, huh? Yes. <clears throat> the, I, I wish I would have learned this earlier on in my ministry, because at one point it was to be faithful to God, you know, everything is a major issue, but it's not. And the there's some primary core uh, value issues, uh, doctrinal issues that right. we, we hold on to and we need to fight for That's those. Right. Uh, but there's so many other things that it really, it really doesn't matter. They're secondary issues. And so that helped us as a church to kind of figure out who we are and where we're going because we had people coming in from all different faith backgrounds and they all had their issues that were so important to sure. them. And so we said, you can hold on to some of those as your your pet doctrinal issue, right. but we're not going to make those an issue in our right. church. We'll respect that, but we're asking that you do not turn that into a divisive issue so good. within our church. So the secondary issues... We're, we're free to have some different convictions on that, whether you're Republican, Democrat, Independent, you know, right, all the different right. issues, whether you believe Jesus is coming back tomorrow or, or you know, whatever <laughs> your eschatology is. There's so many secondary issues right. that are not core to our salvation. They're not core to our faith. So true. And so um, that has really helped us yeah. avoid so many battles. Yeah, one of the scriptures that helped me with leaders so much was Romans, uh, I think it's 14. Uh, 14, verse 5. Let every man be fully persuaded yeah. in his own mind. Yes. So everyone needs to know, you know, when it comes to these secondary issues. And don't get in fights about it. It's just ridiculous. Lester Zimmerman, thank you so much for sharing all these nuggets of wisdom with us today. And again, Lester has got lots of books and booklets here, not only straight talk to leaders, but leading together, we mentioned before. Uh, about women in leadership and seeing them release broken identity, a biblical perspective, and sexual orientation. Get all these books you can find on the show notes on the bottom. When Living Feels Hopeless, someone who's struggling with suicidal tendencies, 
the anguish of suicide, pastoral encouragement and comfort for those grieving the loss of a loved one to suicide. Just such powerful stuff, Lester. And then encouragement from God's word. And I you know you've got healed you of cancer and you've got scripture after scripture after scripture of encouraging uh, scriptures that help us come to places of victory when we're going through crisis in our lives. Lester, thank you for being on the Larry Carter Leadership Podcast. Thank you, Larry. It's been great to just sit down and reminisce a bit and also yeah. encourage other leaders that are on the front lines exactly. with us. Well, thank you again. If you want to know more about Petra Church, Hope All Network, any of these books, Lester Zerman, all the show notes are there and they're available for you. And again, I want to thank you for joining us for the Larry Credit Leadership Podcast. We're learning these small things that we can see to make changes in our lives that can make major changes in the future. Just small steps make major changes Amen. as we obey God together. So God bless you all and look forward to uh, again being with you again soon on the Larry Kreider Leadership Podcast. Thank you for listening to Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. If you want more information about any of Larry's books, daily devotionals, small group resources, or any other teachings, go to LarryKreider.com. 